So if you look at the United States legal system, for example, a lot of first-time offenders get a shorter sentence or a lower bail because they're first-time offenders. They don't have a history of doing whatever it was that they did that was against the law. Does something like that kind of apply here with LSU and the changes coming to NIL? We'll break that down on today's edition of Locked on LSU. You are Locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, so Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever your preferred pod- podcast platform is, you can find us there. But you can also find us on YouTube. If you're a visual learner, you can throw us up on your computer, your TV, your smartphone, whatever that might be. Just look up Locked On LSU on YouTube and make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a second of Locked On LSU content. My name is Caroline Fenton, and I'm your host as I am every single day. I'm an LSU alum, diehard LSU fan, and I now host a sports talk radio show on ESPN 1025, The Game in Nashville. You can follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton 1, or you can follow the podcast Twitter at Locked On LSU. I'll post podcast updates on the Locked On LSU Twitter, and I just have, you know, my general sports takes, my LSU takes on my personal Twitter, so make sure to interact with me there. But last week, I kind of broke down an article that was put out by Ross Dellinger and some other contributors with the Sports Illustrated, kind of pointing out how the way that NIL has evolved in just a short period of time. I mean, NIL became a thing in late July and of 2021, and now we're here in May, and we're already seeing the crazy rapid changes um, in, in less than a year. I mean, we saw even just the day after NIL was ruled uh, by – unanimously by the Supreme Court that student-athletes could profit off of their name, image, and likenesses. I mean, we saw the day after some contracts getting signed and some players on Instagram and Twitter posting pictures with their favorite local restaurant or food or fashion line, whatever it be. You, you know the deal. It happened so quickly. But we've talked so much about how if there's no regulation, then people are going to take it as far as they possibly can. Because college coaches and boosters and athletic departments, they want their teams to win. And you win when you get the best players. And you get the best players in the age of NIL whenever you can pay those players the most money. So that's kind of evolved into, we call them... um, collectives. And on a show last week, um, I mentioned how there's a a collective in Texas, this group called Burn Ends, that would try and collect at least $70,000 to divvy up among some of the top tight ends in the nation to come to Texas schools. And we've seen the same kind of thing with boosters, kind of creating these groups, um, a fundraising group to be able to divvy out funds to try and persuade recruits to come to their schools. Now, it's not necessarily pay to play. In the age of NIL, there needs to be an exchange of a good, a service, um, a Twitter post, an Instagram post, a podcast appearance, whatever that might be. 
an endorsement of whatever it is um, of some sort. There has to be an exchange there. It's not necessarily here's a check for a million dollars so you'll come to play for LSU. That's not necessarily what it is. But in this article written by Ross Dellinger and other contributors to Sports Illustrated as well, it pointed out how it's going into the direction. It's getting eerily close to pay to play because there were these massive contracts, these seven, eight million dollar contracts, literally, that felt like NFL free agency for very small returns. A podcast appearance, a picture on Instagram in exchange for two, three million dollars a year. That's eerily close to pay to play. So this was last week. Fast forward to early this week. And the NCAA has ruled that money from boosters and collectives will no longer be allowed in the age of NIL. I have so many thoughts on that. And I discussed it a little bit with Recruiting Insider, John Garcia. You can check that out on your preferred podcast podcast platform as well as YouTube as well. I kind of talked about his thoughts on how that might affect recruiting in the future. My first question was, how can the NCAA possibly open up Pandora's box and then try and close it? How can the NCAA possibly say, hey, you know, this is fair. This is all fair game. And then try and retroactively bring it back a little bit. And he used the word retroactive, which has also kind of hit a little bit of a tr- trigger because the NCAA has said that they plan on retroactively looking back at some of the deals that have already been made for recruits that was, may have been paid through money from a collective or from a booster. And of course, NIL money, so it still technically falls under the NIL category. It's not necessarily pay to play, but of course, you're really similar. They were going to retroactively reprimand programs and recruits that may have accepted or offered money through through collectives or boosters, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous. You can't just, you know, have this, this kid that committed to play somewhere and, you know, maybe the contracts have gotten involved and then you, and when they did it, it was okay. And then you're going to say, okay, wait, no, just kidding. Now that it's not okay, then you are going to be punished for it because it was our oversight. It was the NCAA refusing in the very early stages of NIL to not come up with a, a blanket uh, plan or blanket regulations before this all just hit the states and everything kind of hit the fan and it was the wild, wild west. So that's an incredible oversight on the NCAA, which is kind of par for the course for the NCAA, creating inconsistent rules and unfair rules and trying to regulate things that really you know, they have no business regulating because I don't believe that the NCAA has business regulating something that they already have have decided not to regulate. I'm totally on board with the fact that NCAA does need some sort of standardization, that leaving it up to the states is an absolute mess. And you're going to come down with more more messes in the future, the, the further and further this goes. I mean, we've seen how far this can go in fewer than in less than a year, in 10 months or so. What is it going to be like five, 10 years down the road? So I'm on board for some sort of regulation, but it's so unfair of the NCAA to open up Pandora's box and try and close it again and bring everything back in. My second question here, and this is where LSU comes into play here very much so, maybe more so than a lot of other universities, is how is this going to be regulated? How can the NCAA view an NIL deal and be the judges of exactly where that money is coming from or how that deal was negotiated? 
or what the good service name, image, and likeness service is being exchanged in return. This feels almost impossible to regulate to me. When you look at other, at other NCAA rules, let's say in the past, whatever NAL wasn't allowed, you can look at bank statements and phone calls, FBI wiretaps. We unfortunately know that very well. And you can find evidence, tangible evidence of, you know, a, a player's parent or sibling or significant other receiving money or receiving a job or receiving an improper benefit in, in exchange for you know, that player playing there. Simple as that. But this is so difficult to prove and so difficult to regulate. And now that it's already out there, I'm afraid that you can't bring it back in. But now that there is added regulation, one, what is the punishment going to be? And two, what is that regulation going to look like? And three, how worried are you of the NCAA sanctions that may or may not be coming to L- on LSU's, to LSU's way? How can this regulation of NIL affect LSU more so than maybe some other teams in the conference that aren't potentially facing these NCAA sanctions coming down the pipe. Well, summer is coming in with summer. You're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your bags if you're going to the pool, if you're going out for the day. Throw them in your kids' backpacks. You can make sure that everyone has a Built Bar so you are fueled for all of your summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bars is that they're healthy and delicious. You do not need to sacrifice delicious tasting food. And if you have a sweet tooth like I do, you don't need to sacrifice that for your health. With Built Bar, you can have both. You can have delicious food and you can also be good to yourself as well. It's super easy. All you got to do is go to Built.com and order now. All Built Bars and Puffs. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. So that means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. So ditch your candy bars and get a Built Bar or a Puff instead. The Puffs are absolutely delicious. They come in crazy flavors. They've got banana cream pie, which is my personal favorite. I actually had one of those for breakfast this morning. They even have churro as well. I mean, who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories, so sign me up for that. If that's not a flavor for you, though, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with 12 different flavors of bars and puffs. So when I was first trying out Built Bars, I got the Mixed Box because I just wanted to figure out which, which flavors I liked, which one was good, which maybe wasn't my absolute favorite. So if you are just getting onto the Built Bar train, first of all, welcome. And second of all, second of all try out a Mixed Box. Built Bar, make sure that there is something for everyone. So you want to know what my favorite flavor is. I love the banana cream pie, but Cherry Barcia is another one of my absolute favorites. It is so packed full of flavor. It is delicious and it's good for you as well. So go to Built.com to get all of your favorites. They've got banana cream pie, like my favorite, and also Cherry Barcia, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. So check them out built.com. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, one word, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every day. Now make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA... NBA draft and junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Lee Thulin giving you, all of you fans, an in-depth look at the NBA draft, the mock draft, player rankings, and of course, 
Big Boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So like I mentioned in the beginning, in the United States legal system, for example, if it's your first offense, then you probably get off a little bit easier. If you've done this before, if you've done it twice before, if you've done it three times before, you're probably one, under a microscope, and two, not going to get the benefit of the doubt. You are not going to get that easy sentence. And I think about these changes being proposed by the NCAA to, to NIL to say that, okay, well, boosters and these collectives, they can't be involved within the recruiting process, which means that they cannot be involved in offering money to recruits in order to come to their school, whether that's for NIL or not. Um, boosters and collectives cannot be involved in that. And they are going to retroactively punish both schools and players if they were involved in a collective or if a booster was involved in their recruitment. And I look at LSU, who is not a first-time offender of NCAA violations, especially when it comes to paying players. Will Wade was fired because of doing exactly that, paying players, offering money to family members and significant others. We look at the LSU football program, who was also under investigation for Odell Beckham Jr. giving out cash after the national championship. LSU is under a microscope for paying their players. So I look at these new changes with NIL and seeing that they are going to retroactively punish players and institutions, which first of all, I mean, I don't know how many times I can say it. That's so unfair and so ridiculous and so unnecessary. But I mean, this is the NCAA. So if the shoe fits. Um, but I, it does concern me because, I mean, LSU is currently under a microscope and will continue to be. LSU is awaiting their fate of the Will Wade situation as we speak. LSU is on an incredibly short leash. And I fear that if all of these changes are instituted, and really not if, but when. If they find that a booster or um, a pay-to-play transaction happened with an LSU recruit before all of this came out, it really makes me worry about how intense the sanctions may be. Will that be included in this current set of sanctions? Will this be you know, just adding LSU under even more of a microscope moving forward? It really makes me nervous. The, the vulnerable state of paying players that LSU is under right now. The NCAA, I cannot imagine, is too incredibly happy with LSU at the moment. And then I also think again, how in the world... Is this even going to work? If the NCAA finds that an LSU player was paid by a booster, an LSU recruit was paid by a booster under a collective or camouflaged as NIL, there were no rules against that at the time. So if the NCAA rules that player one ineligible or tries to crack down on LSU football for that, I mean, there's going to be lawyers involved. I mean, this was, this is not going to go down without a fight. I mean, the inconsistencies of this of one NIL as a whole, and just this this rule as well, this new rule that's being instituted, is so unfair to make any sort of big time punishment or a suspension for a player. So while it does concern me, these changes being made, especially the retroactive punishments, concerns me because 
One, LSU is not new to NCAA sanctions in terms of paying players. And two, there's sanctions coming down the pipe. And it, I really, I, I genuinely am nervous about what is to come. Um, because if there's anything that we've learned about the NCAA is they're inconsistent. There is no precedent that will be set by another organization or another university. Um, do I think that it could be nothing? Maybe. Do I think it could be a big old something? Yeah, also that too. That's the, that's the crazy thing about the NCAA is that we there is no uh, blueprint, so to say. It's not black and white. It is incredibly gray. But I look at this this rule, I, and I, I want to cite this um, this quote for the Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby. He says, whether it's possible to unring the bell remains to be seen. It seems to me that we would have an infinitely better off had we gone ahead and implement, implemented the guardrails, meaning... NIL is already out there. We've already done this. It's been established for almost a year. You can't just undo what you did. And it's really on the NCAA for not putting up those boundaries sooner and not being proactive with NIL in the first place. Instead of being retroactive and trying to, you know, unring the bell, so to speak, to take the words out of Bowlesby's mouth. So while it does concern me, while these new changes, I think what it concerned really any college football program or any college sporting program, it's not just football, it definitely rings more true for LSU just looking at what they have facing them in terms of Will Wade, the Odell Beckham Jr. situation, the Orlando of the Lake situation, the wire transfers, the wire, so on and so forth. We're all familiar with, with what's going on with LSU athletics at the moment. So while it concerns me, while I'm nervous about what could or could not be dug up over what has happened in Baton Rouge over the past 10 months. I'm also not really that concerned because I don't think that the NCAA is going to be able to institute any of these punishments without a fight, without some sort of legal fight, without some sort of pushback. I mean, you heard that from a Big 12 commissioner. He is, it seems very against what the NCAA is doing, trying to undo, of trying to right the quote-unquote wrongs. So I, I don't think that this will be passed unanimously with flying colors and everyone is just going to accept the punishment that they're given. But it is going to be interesting to see the way that the NCAA tries to retroactively implement the um, regulation, I guess is the right word, just about 10 months, 11 months, a year too late. But coming up next, it is Mailbag Wednesday. I want to get into all of your questions, Um, whether that's LSU football, LSU baseball. I want to get to as many questions as I can. We'll get into that coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Rock Auto. So this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's almost impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts you need. And I know when I go to get work done in my car, they ask me questions like, what kind of oil does your car use? I don't know. I'm not a mechanic. Or what kind of engine does your car have? I don't know. I'm not sure. And I don't really feel like waiting while the person behind the counter orders all the parts on their computer when I can have my own computer. I can do it myself. I have access to rockauto.com at home and in my pocket and so do you. So save yourself some time, save yourself some money and go to rockauto.com instead. I mean, at an auto parts store, a chain store or a car dealership, they could upcharge you 30%, 50%, even 100% for the exact same parts that you could get at Rock Auto. For example, if you have a Honda Odyssey, a fuel pump from a, your regular chain store could be around $350. 
but it's only $215.16 from Rock Auto. So huge savings there. Plus, Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, so you know that you are getting a reliable company in Rock Auto. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and I know that you all want to get the best deal that you possibly can because I do as well. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Well, a very, very happy Mailbag Wednesday to you all. I do a mailbag every week. I always try and do it on Wednesday. Sometimes my schedule doesn't always abide by that. But if you have a question that you want to get in for the mailbag next week, you can send them in on Twitter. You can send them to my personal Twitter, at CarolineFinton1. DM me, tag me, whatever is easiest. Or you can send them into Lockdown LSU as well. And I try and get to as many of your questions as I possibly can. First and foremost, Dan asked the question, how much do you think the new NIL changes will change recruiting or college football as a whole? And this is, I I chose this question just because it kind of goes along with the whole theme of not just today's episode, but uh, our episode yesterday with John Garcia, uh, Recruiting Insider with SportsIllustrated.com. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. He has wonderful insight on recruits and transfer portal, but also we have a discussion about NIL as well. And I asked him this exact question. I said, how do you think this will affect recruiting? He said, really, maybe not that much at all. Um, And that really just depends on the NCAA's response to it. If they do crack down on some of the the retroactive punishments and they look at some collectives that have paid college football players that have already committed, then maybe that'll change it. Maybe you'll see an influx of players in the transfer portal or maybe you may see players try and, uh, you know, kind of steer away. We've talked about Texas A&M so much. There's so much money from some of their boosters. So maybe you may see some players decide to go to LSU, Alabama, Florida, player, or schools other, excuse me, schools other than Texas A&M. But I really don't know how much this changes things as a whole. Um, I ask, I've always asked the question of, will this make the bigger, the big schools bigger? Or will this give smaller schools better opportunities at some other players because they have the opportunity to give them NIL deals, large NIL deals that maybe some other schools wouldn't? And I really do think at the bottom of my heart, I think there might be extenuating circumstances. You might see some five-star players go to small schools because of an NIL deal. Um, you might see the Texas A&Ms, the LSUs, the Alabamas continue to get great players because of NIL. But that's not really anything new. Good players go to good schools anyway. Um, So you might see some extenuating circumstances. You might see um, some kind of bold movements here and there. But really overall, I really don't know how much of a change it's going to be. And I go back to, for example, the legalization of marijuana. Stay with me. Five, 10, 15 years ago, the thought of that being a thing, of, of weed being legalized, was she would be shocking. And we looked at players like Tyron Matthew, for example, in college, who was suspended for uh, for smoking marijuana. And we thought, oh my goodness, you know, how could he possibly do that? And now it's it's not even on a, the list of the NBA's banned substances. Now it's just like, oh, yeah, everyone does it, everyone does it. Um, so I think I kind of look at that like NIL. We're going into this age of NIL thinking, oh my gosh, these major changes, it's going to be wild, it's going to be crazy. And maybe in 5, 10, 15 years, we look back on it and think, that didn't change a damn thing. All it changed was the fact that players can now profit off of their name, image, and likeness. And that was the exact point of it in the first place. They just have sponsorships. They just post, you know, partnership and branded things on Instagram. 
really doesn't change too much. Um, another question says, what do you make of LSU not being in the top 25 preseason polls? Um, I did see this since I looked at several polls. Of course, I looked for LSU first and LSU wasn't in a lot of them. I think um, I look at USA Today, I believe they were maybe like in the 30s, 40s. Um, I think we all as LSU fans have to understand that you know, we are, we're going to be homers about our team, obviously. We're fans. Uh, but on the outside looking in, I think a lot of college football analysts and just fans of college football as a whole view LSU as a giant question mark. Um, could LSU come in and, you know, win, squeak by with six wins because they don't have an incredible amount of depth and because it's Brian Kelly's first season? Like, maybe. I hope that doesn't happen, but that's a possibility. Or people may look at it like Brian Kelly's coming in and making these massive changes. Um, they have the pick of, of four in, incredibly gifted ta uh, and talented quarterbacks. They could win 10, 11 games even. LSU's a massive question mark, and I don't necessarily blame the national media for treating them as such. Um, and that's not to say that our preseason expectations can't change two, three, four, five, six weeks into the season. Um, but I think going into it, I think we all need to understand that on a national sc a scale, a macro view of all of it, LSU is is a massive question mark. Um, not a lot of people know necessarily where to pinpoint them. And I think that's fair when there are a lot of other teams, not just in the SEC, but in the country as a whole, that feel like constants, that have returning quarterbacks, returning head coaches, um, solid recruiting classes with a record, a, a head coach record to match um, and to show for it. So I don't make much of it because I don't think that we should put too much stock into preseason expectations. I want to start putting stock into let's look at week one. Let's evaluate after week one and let's readjust our expectations from there because preseason polls, yes, it, it fills the void of college football the college football hole that we all have right now and that we all will have until September. Um, but I'm not going to put too much stock into it. But that is going to do it for me today. I appreciate you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on SEC. You'll get all of your daily SEC news in less than 30 minutes with SEC expert Chris Gordy. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast.